the explosive new film, Flynn, Deliver the Truth, Whatever the Cost, exposes secrets behind the government's takedown of General Michael Flynn. Flynn knew what the intel world had been up to. He ordered the first audit of the use of contractors. This set off alarm bells. He told the truth. He was the most dangerous person for Donald Trump to hire. They had to get rid of Flynn. Flynn, Deliver the Truth, Whatever the Cost. Available now. Watch it today. Go to SalemNow.com. SalemNow.com. If we look to the answer as to why for so many years we achieved so much, prospered as no other people on earth, it was because here in this land we unleashed the energy and individual genius of man to a greater extent than has ever been done before. Those who say that we're in a time when there are no heroes, they just don't know where to look. The sloping hills of Arlington National Cemetery, with its row upon row of simple white markers, bearing crosses or stars of David, they add up to only a tiny fraction of the price that has been paid for our freedom. As for the enemies of freedom, those who are potential adversaries, they will be reminded that peace is the highest aspiration of the American people. We will negotiate for it, sacrifice for it. We will not surrender for it now or ever. We are Americans. This is the Bob France Authority on AM 1420. The answer. Yes, indeed, it is. Good morning to you. Seven minutes after the hour of nine o'clock, and we're ready, and we're rolling. It is a Monday, the 20th morning of the ninth month of the year of our Lord, 2021. Thanks so much for being here on AM 1420, The Answer. we got a very important show for you today. Coming up on the program, we've got one guest. Congressman Jim Jordan has had to bump due to his schedule to, I believe it's going to be Wednesday. I look forward to, no, Thursday, beg your pardon, but Jim Jordan will not be with us live today. He will be with us on Thursday. We will, however, talk with a guest. Michael Connaughton will be joining us to talk about the protest at the Ohio State Board of Education tomorrow. It's one of the most important protests, I think, that I have covered, seen, discussed, promoted uh, over the course of the last six or seven years that I've been doing this radio program on AM 1420, The Answer. This is the fight against critical race theory and the divisive Marxist uh, theory that is being pushed by leftists in this country within an attempt to divide us along racial lines and tear us apart to be rebuilt in the uh, image and in the mold of, well, Marx. It's not that difficult to understand and comprehend. It is that important, and it is that um, uh, momentous, I think, this occasion, uh, in which the people of Ohio are going to have to come together. People who are black, people who are white, people who are brown, people who are purple with yellow polka dots. I don't care what color you are. We are all people who need to come together in the interest of racial unity rather than racial division, which is exactly what this proposes and crt will bring about for future generations if we allow them to force this hateful uh horrific um uh ideology upon our children so that's coming up at ten ten this morning that's our only guest so plenty of opportunities for you to be heard i will tell you however i have a lot to say this is one of those days 
where, quite frankly, I look at the, uh, the work I've done to prepare today's show, and I wish I had a national show today to, to a couple with this one. When I get Prager's show from time to time, I get five hours to discuss all of this stuff, and um, that's what I need today. But unfortunately, I've got to jam as much of this as I can into two. So I will ask you to help me, uh, help me out there at 216-901-0945, A lot of people say I give those numbers too fast. You should have them saved by now. But if you're a new listener and you don't know them, save them now in your phone, 216-901-0945 or 888-281-1110. All right? So if you're a new listener, save that in your phone. Just put Bob uh, in, the, in the name there. Put my picture from the webpage if you want to do that. If you want to dirty up your phone, I guess. Uh, I wouldn't recommend that. Um, but uh, by all means, save that so you know how to get a hold of me when we are live and on the air. Now, before we get into the top stories of the day that I need so many hours for, let's pause for our Pledge of Allegiance. Patriots, please stand. Please uh, face your flag if you have one. Put your hand over your heart. By the way, speaking of Patriots, can I just do this real super quick before we do the pledge? I want to give a shout-out and a thank you and a, uh, I, I don't even know what you want to call it, a can you dig it perhaps, to the quarterback of the Cleveland Browns. Now, while I am still protesting the National Football League for its wokeness and all of its other uh, issues, um, I did read the story. It was on Fox News, as a matter of fact, that Baker Mayfield, Browns quarterback Baker Mayfield, uh, yesterday honored a fallen soldier, uh, particularly one of the one of those killed in uh, the attack on uh, uh, the airport in Afghanistan back during Joe Biden's extraordinarily painful blunder, the horrific uh, uh, withdrawal of our troops and the evacuation of uh, civilian personnel. It couldn't have been done worse. But Maxton Soviak, you know the name by now, twenty two year old uh, uh, kid from well, young man uh, from Berlin Heights. Uh, one of the 13 U.S. service members killed in Kabul during that terrible attack. And um, he was given a hero's send-off, of course, uh, a tremendous, tremendous show of support and loyalty and, and appreciation for the sacrifice made by this young man. Uh, he was a Navy corpsman. And anyway, Baker Mayfield yesterday, during the Browns game, put a picture of uh, Maxton Soviak on his cleats just as a way of repping uh, and saying thank you, calling attention to his sacrifice. It's really just fantastic. Baker Mayfield has built up quite a rapport with U.S. military since he came into the NFL. According to reports in training camp, he took the time to thank veterans and active military personnel uh, who were in attendance for practices. He always addressed them. And uh, so in this particular case, uh, Baker Mayfield honored a fallen Ohio hero um, with his with his. Uh, picture on his on his cleats during the game against the Houston Texans yesterday and I just think that's a fantastic story uh, and congratulations to Baker Mayfield on your patriotism I respect that all right now having said that let's all express our patriotism now and unless of course you're leftist in which we expect nothing from you all right we're gonna have to try that again here we go I pledge allegiance to the flag of the United States of America and to the republic for which it stands, one nation, under God, indivisible, with liberty and justice for all. 
All right. Um, I want to dive right into this now. Joe Biden had a terrible, no good, horrible, very bad week last week. And uh, I think it is starting to become clear, even to leftists, even to Democrats, that this doddering old pre-Alzheimer's patient is in way over his very confused head. Uh, that's just, there's no other way to say this, really. It's just one embarrassment after another. You know, I, I gave a speech a couple of weeks ago, and I talked about this then, and I think I talked about it on the air with you afterwards, and I started listing all of the things, just, and it was just off the top of my head. I didn't have a composite list put together, but, um... I started listing all of the tremendous accomplishments that we experienced during the Trump administration. On the domestic side, on the international side, foreign policy side, national security side, all of it. And, I mean, it's really quite a fantastic list. No matter what the liberal Democrats who hated him for mean tweets say, oh my goodness, things got done. And our lives were appreciably better because of the way he did them. That's just a fact of the matter. And then I pointed out, I said, now let's compare that to where we are now, seven, eight, nine, ten months into the Biden administration. And virtually every one of those tremendous accomplishments had been lessened, worsened, or erased by the Biden administration. I, I, I don't know that it's possible, Republican or Democrat, for a Republican or a Democrat to do a worse job in ten months than Joe Biden has done on, well, mm, uh, everything and a lot of it can just be summed up with the uh uh the hits that he took this past week the pentagon confirming that a tragic mistake as they called it led to 10 civilians being killed in a drone strike you heard the story now right 10 civilians all in a rush because of the incompetent absolutely incompetent unimaginably daft leadership of the Biden American military, the Biden CIC is the commander-in-chief, the Lloyd Austin Pentagon, the, the, the Mark Milley Joint Chiefs. The military in the United States right now is a joke. A joke. God forbid one of our enemies choose to attack us right now. We would be finished. Because this military is right now the weakest it has been in my lifetime. Because of the leadership, not the rank and file. If your son or your daughter is enlisted in the United States military right now and are all volunteer military, God bless them. I'm not talking about them. I'm talking about the people guiding them. All because we had the the ISIS-K slash Taliban attack that killed 13 service members that we talked about at that airport during that quote-unquote evacuation. And we still have people left behind, by the way. The Biden administration, knowing the blood is on the hands of creepy, sleepy Joe, Uncle Joe, said, we got to do something. The American people are ticked. 13 Americans just lost their lives. No Americans have lost their lives in Afghanistan since February 2020. What are we going to do? Oh my gosh, we have to avenge this. Let's 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 order a missile strike. Let's kill some ISIS people. Well, how do we know they're ISIS people? We don't. Doesn't matter. Just strike. Whatever's moving, hit it. We'll tell them we got two ISIS fighters or ISIS leaders uh, in response to the killing of the 13 Americans. Deal. And Lloyd Austin and Mark Milley and Joe Biden all nodding in agreement saying, yeah, let's do that. And they missile strike. What they said was supposed to be ISIS leaders turned out to be an innocent family. Seven children were among the ten dead. 
Seven children were among the ten dead. They got no ISIS leadership or ISIS fighters. They just killed innocent people so they can say, we're tough. Look at us. Watch us retaliate. Simply pathetic. That's just part of the very, very bad week. Also in this past very bad week, the top U.S. General of the Joint Chiefs of Staffs, Mark Milley, gave our war plans to China because he hated our former president so much. France just pulled their ambassador from Washington, D.C. Um, the Food and Drug Administration announced that Joe Biden's planned booster presentation from the Pfizer product by September, and we're only 10 days left in September, then he changed it to November, isn't going to happen because they are not giving approval to the, uh, the booster proposal that Joe Biden promised. I'm I'm telling you, things could not have gotten much worse for Joe Biden, except for, oh, by the way, his call for Haitians to come to the United States was heeded. He literally made a call to Haiti to have those victims of the terrible natural disaster there to come to the United States, and now there are thousands of them under a bridge in Del Rio, Texas. And as the media, the conservative media, dutifully reported on it, Showing images that are just amazing. It's like looking over an ant colony. If you've ever looked over an ant colony from, uh, you know, from uh, from above ground underneath, when you see one of those like uh, sections uh, of an ant, they're just swarms everywhere. Just little dots all over the place from these uh, drone photographs from and video from high over top the uh, bridge there at the Del Rio sector. And they're just everywhere. It's an amazing sight between uh, the the. Uh, uh, Border personnel, which they're, of course, extraordinarily outnumbered. Border personnel, um, uh, uh, home, uh, Homeland Security personnel, and then, of course, the would-be migrants to the United States who somehow got their way from 2,000 miles away, on their own, apparently, 2,000 miles away from Haiti, across the ocean, by the way, to Mexico, and then up to the border. Somehow, somehow some way that happened. And they're waiting there, so much, and it was so bad, the imagery was so bad, that Joe Biden then ordered a ban on the drones, the video drones, that were working for Fox News and other um, conservative outlets to, that were showing the American people the swarm of people underneath the bridge waiting to come in. I want you to think about that. A swarm, I mean, you know, I keep using that word, I mean, whatever you want to call it, a massive flood of people, massive crowd, enormous. I mean, it just it looks like an insect colony from, from the sky, and they know how bad it looks, so they said no more sky shots, and they banned drones from flying, flying overhead. This has just been an awful, awful week for Joe Biden because it's essentially indicative of the awful 10 months of Joe Biden. And you know what Joe Biden did after that long week? of terrible news and terrible defeats. Oh, did I mention? I'm sorry. I forgot to mention. The Senate parliamentarian yesterday. The Senate parliamentarian has ruled that the proposed amnesty for millions and millions of illegal aliens and pathway to citizenship for millions and millions of illegal aliens cannot be included in their $3.5 trillion budget reconciliation bill. The Senate parliamentarian has ruled very directly and very clearly that you cannot include an immigration bill in a, in a, uh, a spending bill like the, like the reconciliation bill that is essentially the Green New Deal starter kit. We've talked about that. 
The Senate parliamentarian rejected the Democrats' arguments and said, quote, the policy changes of this proposal far outweigh the budgetary impact, among other things, and essentially saying you can't do this. So this just pulls the rug right out from underneath Biden and his plans to legalize tens of millions, perhaps, of illegal aliens. So what does Joe Biden do while all of this negative news is piling up on his desk? He leaves the desk. <laughs> he goes to Delaware, a Delaware beach house for a weekend of fun and relaxation and perhaps uh, wetting down the springy blonde leg hairs uh, that he has that he likes to let kids rub down. Uh, and I'm not making that up. If you don't know what I'm talking about, you've got to pay attention. Joe Biden went to the beach. While all of this is going on, Americans are still left behind enemy lines in Afghanistan. you got just thousands of people underneath a uh, bridge in uh, Del Rio, Texas, in the Del Rio sector. You've got, uh, I mean, one loss after another piling up, and Joe just says, well, if I can't see it, then it isn't happening. And so he went away. Meanwhile, as tens of thousands of people gather underneath that bridge, Kamala Harris, who was given the title of Border Czar by her boss, Joe Biden, was busy throwing out first pitches at baseball games. We got so much more for you. 922, right back after this. Download the free WHK mobile app and listen to your favorite WHK programs or podcasts on the go. It's free in your app store. Okay, 925. Thanks for being with us. A little closer to home. Let's go to Columbus, Ohio, as we continue with our top stories of the morning. In Columbus, Ohio, look, I don't know what you can expect besides what you're getting from Columbus, Ohio, the way that city is run now. So maybe this won't be a surprise to you. I, I guess it is truly expected. Last year, the year 2020, was the deadliest year in Columbus, Ohio history. Okay? They had more homicides in Columbus last year than they ever had in any previous year. Well, last year during that record-breaking year, their 150th homicide took place on November 26th. Now in the year 2021, their 150th homicide took place yesterday, on September 19th. In fact, they had four fatal shootings within one nine-hour time period. The city of Columbus is as bad as the city of Cleveland, and that's saying something, because Cleveland is also, again, on a new record pace for homicides. What is the um, consistent, what, what's the, what's, what are the similarities, let's phrase it that way, between the two cities? If the answer is neither one of them is committed to having an actual police force that's allowed to do their job, ding, 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 you would be correct. Andrew Ginther, the uh, mayor of Columbus, is an absolute woke moron. He's a woke train wreck is what he is as a mayor. He refuses to allow the, uh, the police officers of Columbus to do their jobs. Every single one of them is afraid to get out of their car because they're going to be called on the carpet and either called for a trial, or, you know, arrested or fired or suspended or something, or worse yet, because they're gun shy, they're going to be, they're going to be killed if they encounter violent situations because of the, um, mayor of the city of Columbus. Do you know this guy actually? It was one thing for the Obama administration to come to Cleveland and force, um, you know, the, uh, 
I can't remember the terminology now, and I apologize for that. The agreement between the federal government and the city, they forced that upon them, uh, of course, because of some of the high-profile incidents involving Cleveland police in recent years. That doesn't mean they were wrong. It just means that they were high-profile. As a matter of fact, judges and juries found the police officers uh, not responsible or not criminally uh, uh, negligent in their, in their actions uh, in each of those cases. But they forced uh, that policy... Uh, on the city of Cleveland. Andrew Ginter in Columbus contacted the feds and said, come down here and evaluate us. Put us on one of those. And again, I don't know why I'm, I'm failing to recall the, the name of it now. But put us on one of those. Uh, uh, one of those uh, federal programs in which the the uh, Department of Justice is actually calling the shots for the city of Columbus, the way they are in Cleveland. And in Cleveland, of course, the police force just continues to shrink and shrink and shrink. Even though the violence is ramped up, the police cannot do a thing about it because their numbers continue to fall, even though the budget calls for them to have dozens more officers than they actually have employed right now. So just want to throw that at you. The war on police, it's real, and it continues in various forms, whether it be not replacing officers who are gone the way they are in Cleveland or telling officers in the example of Columbus that they simply cannot do their jobs that's not so so we'll throw that one in there too and while we're on the subject of Cleveland and violence i tell you the story of course with no um satisfaction it's tragic and it's sad but i will also add that it was expected the death of the grandson of Mayor Frank Jackson, Frank Q. Jackson, 24 years old, in a violent shooting, probably was preordained. Because for the last several years, Frank Jackson has covered, covered up, and refused to hold accountable his grandson for his lengthy criminal misdeeds. I mean time and time and time again, violent encounters, criminal acts, felonies. Frank Jackson did everything he could to keep his grandson out of jail. And in doing so, well, like I said, it was it was probably only a matter of time before a person of violence who leads that kind of life and give, is given that many passes and that many second chances. Um, it's just a matter of time before that violence catches up with them. So it's a terrible situation. I wouldn't wish this on anybody. Um, but it's not something you couldn't see coming. And I wonder, I wonder how history in the city of Cleveland will record uh, the terms of Frank Jackson as it pertains to violence in this city and the manner in which he conducted himself as mayor, giving breaks to family members that ultimately ended up costing everybody. It's a terrible, terrible story. And I think we would all agree on that. All right, we're going to take a time out now. And uh, I have just found out that we are going to have a guest here at the 935 segment because of what's going on in Del Rio, at the Del Rio sector of the uh, uh, southern border between the United States and Mexico, and because of the Senate parliamentarian's decision not to uh, uh, allow the, uh, the amnesty and the pathway to citizenship for tens of millions of illegal aliens to happen in this $3.5 trillion reconciliation budget bill. Uh, we are going to talk with FAIR, the Federation for American Immigration Reform, coming up next, AM 1420. 
enormous news out of Washington, D.C. yesterday. Enormous. The Senate parliamentarian made a great call. Senate parliamentarian Elizabeth McDonough, who calls the balls and strikes for what's in the reconciliation package, says immigration provisions are out because they're not related to the nation's budget. Democrats wanted to include protections for so-called dreamers, people who are brought to the U.S. illegally as children, as well as temporary protected status for those who fled natural disasters or extreme violence. McDonough says the proposals are by any standard a broad new immigration policy. There's no question about that, and it is exactly what they wanted to do, a mass amnesty and a pathway to citizenship for millions, if not tens of millions, of illegal aliens, at least that many in the uh, $3.5 trillion budget reconciliation bill. The parliamentarian says no-go. That's the good news. The bad news, well, there's plenty of that on the immigration front. Joining us now to talk about that is uh, R.J. Hallman. R.J. Hallman is... uh, 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 with the Federation for American Immigration Reform. We talk to Affair all of the time. He's the government relations director of that organization. RJ, thanks for coming on this morning. How are you, sir? Yeah, very good. Thanks for having me on, Bob. So let's first react to that, to Senate parliamentarian. We'll get the good news out of the way first, then we'll talk about all of the challenges <laughs> we're dealing with at the uh, Del Rio sector with the uh, massive number of Haitians who are waiting to get into this country there. So what was your reaction when you heard about the uh Yeah, uh, no, no, we're very... Yeah, we're very glad to see uh, the Senate parliamentarian rule that amnesty for illegal aliens is not a proper use of the budget reconciliation process. And, you know, allowing that amnesty to be included would really have set a, a terrible precedent for the party in power to circumvent the traditional legislative process to enact, you know, unpopular special interest priorities that are unrelated to actual spending or revenue. And, you know, critical policy issues like immigration, they deserve a full debate on the floor of both chambers so the American public can see it. So, you know, as she as she kind of correctly noted in her ruling, and this is the main part, she basically said that amnesty for millions of illegal aliens is a significant policy change that dwarfs its budgetary impact. And that's something we've been saying all along. Amnesty would affect a wide range of policy issues, criminal justice, law and order, social cohesion. I could go on and on. So that makes it ineligible for inclusion. But we're already seeing, Bob, how Democrats are reacting here. All right. Some of them are calling for the parliamentarian to be removed the filibuster to be abolished. They're really showing their true colors here. They're displaying the same contempt for for Senate rules and procedures as they do for the rule of law. And that's why they're calling for amnesty in the first place. So the reaction is a little bit different. It's different. It's probably sad that, you know, the Senate parliamentarian may need Capitol Police protection after this. I'm sure they'll show up at her house and protest. It's a sad state of political affairs today. But, you know, good news overall up here on the immigration uh, front in Washington, which has become rare. Uh, since January of 2021. Boy, it is just so sickening when you consider what you just said and the fact that it's true. She's probably going to need protection because this is why, you know, it's just so just, and I'm getting a little bit off the topic here, but just to follow your point about what the Democrats' reaction to this has been, this is a party that literally is trying to cast aside legislative precedent, cast aside the Constitution. I mean, it was only, what, two weeks ago, three weeks ago, that Joe Biden acknowledged and admitted that it was going to be unconstitutional for him to extend the uh, eviction moratorium, but he I'm going to do it anyway, because by the time it gets to, to court, and I'm told that we can't do it anymore, uh, there's going to be a few months more of breaks given to people um, uh, who needed them to avoid getting evictions, evicted. So it's like, I'm going to do what I want to do, regardless of what the law says, regardless of what congressional rules say, and regardless of what the Constitution says. And if you've got an administration, R.J. Hallman, that is committed to whatever they want to do in spite of the legal restrictions that they are supposed to operate by, then I think we're in grave danger, particularly when it comes to the sovereignty of this country. 
No, absolutely. It's all too common on every issue outside of immigration. And as you know, under you know Barack Obama, we saw great abuse of uh, executive power on immigration by doing multiple amnesties, DACA and DAPA, which is struck down by the court. Yeah, we're fearful that if Democrats just there's no path forward for them on this, if they're going to go back and pitch new pro- approaches to the parliamentarian, which she'll likely reject as well, then the package itself could fail. We are concerned that, yes, the Biden administration will try some new routes that they know will eventually get struck down in court or that they don't have the authority to do. They'll try to do it anyway. They don't need Congress. So it's just, you know, it, it, it's just another thing that they're doing. It's on every policy issue, Bob. We just happen to focus on, on one of them. But again, it's just all across the board. And don't expect, you know, them to just sit back and accept this, both on Capitol Hill and at 1600 Pennsylvania Avenue. Let's talk uh, R.J. Hammon of FAIR, the Federation for American Immigration Reform, about the Del Rio sector and the migrant crisis there. Uh, the governor of Texas, Greg Abbott, said on Saturday, quote, the Texas Department of Public Safety is in full force along the border around the Del Rio area. They have built a barricade with their squad cars and state troopers. The National Guard is working with them to secure the border. Uh, quote, our border crisis goes beyond the RGV and South Texas communities, the smuggling of drugs, people, and weapons reaches far and wide, and it affects us all. I will continue to work tirelessly to secure our border and protect the people of Texas. R.J. Greg Abbott, thank God for him, because he has ordered his state resources to do what Alejandro Mayorkas, the Secretary of the Department of Homeland Security, refuses to do, which is to protect the sovereignty of that southern border. Yeah, you know, funny enough, actually, Mayorkas just announced that he, this morning, I think in the last hour, but he is heading down to Del Rio today, so maybe he will actually get a glimpse and do something about it. But, yeah, no, it's great to see, you know, Governor Abbott take steps, again, trying to act within his authority as much as possible. But, again, it comes down to the fact that the federal government has control over our borders, and they do not want to do anything. You know, Bob, I almost consider this a state-sponsored invasion of sorts. I really do. A lot of people down there, if you're looking at the response that the federal or, government... RJ, RJ, hold on a second. Here. Explain that. Yeah. Explain that phrasing, state-sponsored. Well, well, let me... Let me yeah, state sponsor. Let me tell you, too, because we have policies that encourage people to come here. What The only thing that DHS and the federal government is doing to address this crisis is they are so-called processing people from this encampment into the country. You know what processing means? That means you're released into the interior of the country with a notice to appear in immigration court years down the line. That is the federal government enabling the crisis. That is why people want to come here. They know they're just going to get processed into the country. Again, that term is so vague, you know, they can kind of spin it to the general public as, oh, you know how we're processing people? That's deporting them. Well, we're not deporting them. And the other thing you have to keep in mind is that, you know, Haitians represent the vast majority of people at this location. They're not fleeing from Haiti. Many fled from the country after an earthquake, I think, in 2010 and have been living in Central America for several years. So all they want to do is now come up here as economic migrants. They're essentially country shopping. And they don't want to get sent back to Haiti. It's just a mess all around. But again, this is why we have a border crisis overall. We were over 200,000 for the second consecutive month. We're about to be about 2 million in the fiscal year. Because everybody wants to come here because they know they will be processed into the country. They won't be turned away or promptly removed. And yes, so I think that is absolutely state-sponsored, state-enabled. Well, um, Bill Milligan, if I'm saying his name correctly, who's a national correspondent for Fox News, gave direct attribution to U.S. Border Patrol Chief Raul Ortiz mm-hmm. when he said, quote, 
there are there are currently twelve thousand six hundred migrants under the bridge in Del Rio, and mm-hmm. Ortiz told me, "quote that adult men will be expelled via Title Forty Two, but most family mm-hmm. units will be processed and released into the U.S. with NTA notice to appear." For the migrants who are being expelled, repatriation flights have already started. The mayor of Del Rio says he knows of several flights that have flown out of San Antonio already. But, RJ, if they are allowing family units in, does that mean just the family units that are together under the bridge or unaccompanied? This is what they've been doing all, all along uh, in, since the Biden administration took over, is unaccompanied minors are allowed to stay, and then they send for their families from wherever, whatever country where they are. No, it'll be a combination of that. Yes, there will be minors who are unaccompanied in that camp and a family unit. It could be one person with a child. And, yeah, the child could eventually then, you know, petition to have a family member come up here or get to stay with the family member who is already currently, you know, here illegally. And the other thing you have to keep in mind on this front is, you know, a lot of those single men, if they're quickly, you know, removed under Title 42, they may now frivolously form a family unit by kidnapping a child. Bingo! How can these, how can these asylum officers and everything tell you know, based on a, a kind of a shoddy piece of paper or how do they know that this is truly a family unit? They don't. That is the stuff that is eventually revealed through the immigration court process, the deportation proceedings and everything that will take years. So, again, it's just your ticket into the country and our process can't weed out people who are abusing the system. Again, it's just a mess all around. All the Biden administration wants to do is make it easier for frivolous asylum seekers to come up here and abuse it. I mean, if this crisis really wants to end, you know, Bob, it's not just building a wall, per se. It's not, you know, sending more people down there. We have so many loopholes in current law and flawed policies that, that, that operate our system down there. They need to be changed, or this thing will never stop. You know, you know what's really interesting about that when you mentioned the wall? We're talking to R.J. Hallman with the Federation from, uh, Amer- for American Immigration Reform. Um, the, the part of the story I just told you about with Greg Abbott, the governor of Texas said, we're mm-hmm. taking our Jeeps, we're taking our trucks, we're taking our heavy equipment, and we're, we're barricading the border there as best we can. They're yeah. building their own wall. I mean, this is, you know, <laughs> said true. And we said the building a wall is just racist because, you know, I mean, honestly, it's it's literally the the most effective way of keeping people out is creating a physical border for them to have to find a way around right. or over. And then you don't need as many personnel, obviously, to guard that uh, the way you do, of course, if there is nothing there. But 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 a, but a very shallow river that people are able to just kind of paddle across. No, you know what they did? Yeah. By lining up and blocking that area. Again, yes, it certainly was effective and infra- effective and infrastructure is. But again, these people under this current system, they can simply go into a port of entry. And I, you know, I keep going back to some of these clips that they were showing of, of the crisis, you know, several months ago, where there was a big, almost like a slide door in a part of the wall that President Trump built. And the Border Patrol was actually opening it up and would allow a wave of 20, 30, 40 in at a time. So again, so they can listen to their frivolous asylum claim and, you know, accept it at face value. And then release them into the country. Again, it's just an absolute mess. And I, I feel terrible for a lot of the Border Patrol um, officers down there who do respect the rule of law. They, they went down this career path for a reason. And all they are are essentially, you know, ticket agents. They're processing people into the country, and it completely undermines what they exist to do. It's just a sad situation all around. And the other sadder thing is, yeah, as you mentioned, Bill Malugan on Fox News a great reporter who was out there covering the crisis with a drone that the FAA made him take down for a second because they thought the optics were bad. But the media has completely ignored this. They don't care about the crisis anymore. It's the new normal. 
Yeah, I, I would love, well, no, I wouldn't love to see it, actually, because I know it would come down, but it would be uh, quite a thing to see the media's response if this was going on under, under President Trump's watch right now, and you just had this this incredible invasion. Um, and, and last thing, uh, RJ, you and mm-hmm. uh, your team at FAIR uh, sent out a note this morning to remind us of the dangers of this illegal immigration, aside from what we just talked about, human trafficking and drug smuggling and, and, and gangs and so forth and cartel members coming across the, the border and uh, putting Americans in great peril. But there's another part of this, and that is the terrorism aspect. Remember 9-11, and you guys are asking it fair, is President Biden leading us toward another catastrophe? And you talk about what the 9-11 Commission's recommendations were vis-a-vis the border in order to protect the homeland. Can you remind us of that? Yeah, yeah. The, the 9/11, a lot of the 9-11 Commission recommendations have not yet been put into place under many presidents. And this is a, this is a multifaceted kind of danger that, that we're at here. Again, people could come up through the border. The Border Patrol is overwhelmed. There are hundreds of mile stretches along the border that are being almost unmanned by Border Patrol now because they're so busy processing. Okay, I'm hoping that's just a glitch in the Yeah, there right he is. Uh, RJ, RJ. RJ, you your phone cut out. You, your phone cut Sorry out on you there. I, no, that's okay. I thought I lost you all together there. Could you repeat that part, please? No, you're good. You have accelerated betting as well for people coming from Afghanistan. That is extremely dangerous. You're bringing them to military bases in the United States. You're letting them be able to leave. Again, we're not saying you shouldn't help some Afghans that help their military. But again, they need to be vetted uh, thoroughly. They should stay abroad. We simply cannot put ourselves at risk. And we should especially have remembered that at the 20-year anniversary of the greatest terrorist attack um, within our borders. Yeah, one would uh, one would think that would be you know top of mind as we just uh, just commemorated that terrible time. But you're right; they have not even begun enacting so many of the 9/11 Commission's provisions for protecting the homeland, uh, including securing and managing the border and uh, and enforcing immigration law rather than softening it and providing a pathway to citizenship for those who are here illegally. R.J. Hammond and his team at the Federation for American Immigration Reform do tremendous work on behalf of the people of this country. I thank you so much for coming on, uh, R.J., uh, and alerting us to the. Uh, to the uh, continuing threat that we face down there. Thanks so much. Thanks, Bob. All right. That's R.J. Uh, uh Read more at fairus.org. It's a very important site. You should bookmark that on your browser. I do. I have it bookmarked on mine. It's fairus.org. F-A-I-R-U-S. Fairus.org. It's 950. We'll be right back. Okay, 9.55, thanks for being with us on AM 1420, The Answer. So it's been, it's been just a train wreck, as I said as the, at the top of the show, of a week for Joe Biden. I, I can't tell you, I don't know how many, time, how many things can go wrong in one seven-week period, but Joe Biden may have set a record in this. It's gotten so bad, honestly. You know it's bad. It's not bad for Joe Biden if Bob France is crit- critical of some of the things he's done, some of the outcomes that we have witnessed. It's not bad if, you know, Tucker Carlson or if Dennis Prager or Larry Elder or somebody like that criticizes Joe Biden for the week that he's had. But you know things aren't going well for you when Chuck Todd actually turns on you. And believe it or not, Chuck Todd went on to uh, the Sunday Today show yesterday and, well, actually 
practice honesty for for a change in his uh, professional career. Listen. So we can talk about the border crisis. We can talk about the period of about one hour on Friday where we learned mm-hmm. that the drone strike that had been touted as an attack and a victory over ISIS actually killed a group of civilians, including seven children. France recalling its ambassadors from uh, from Washington because of that nuclear deal they were cut out of between the United States and the UK and Australia, and also the COVID booster news that all came on Friday. How is the White House managing all this, and what do you expect to hear from the president at the UN on Tuesday? Well, look, I think he's got a a, a pretty big uh, credibility crisis on his hands because all of these problems, in some ways, showed up after he said something basically the exact opposite afghanistan withdrawal wasn't going to be messy this wasn't going to look like saigon uh the booster shots he came out and essentially said eight months and even indicated maybe we should start it as soon as five months now we're not sure if anybody under 65 is going to get a booster shot uh so you know he's had and of course the border has been you know whether this you could we can talk about the border problems you could say there's years in the making but the, the, it's pretty clear we have a bigger problem now than we've had in years. And this is a these policies have turned into becoming a magnet. So he's got a lot of work to do. The U.N. speech, look, he's got some credibility issues on the world stage uh, are uh, to see, make sure that people still view uh, America as a not just a stable democracy, but a competent uh, leader of the free world right now. So, look, he's got a lot of work to do, I think. The next month's going to probably still be tough for him politically because he's got to get this big bill through Congress. If he can get that thing passed, Willie, I think he can start to, you know, uh, uh, take a few breaths here a little bit. But he's got a lot on the line here this month. That's for sure. All right. Chuck Todd just publicly and nationally questioned the competence of Joe Biden. That's an extraordinary thing. That's an extraordinary event. He has been one of the biggest cheerleaders and water carriers for the Biden administration, just as he and they at NBC are for the Obama administration or were for the Obama administration. For him to say there's a question of credibility now with Joe Biden and a question of competence is large. Secondly, all of the things that he just talked about were yesterday morning on the Sunday Today Show prior to Meet the Press. That was all before the Senate parliamentarian news came up which said that we are not going to allow you to put uh, amnesty and a pathway to citizenship in the $3.5 trillion uh, budget reconciliation bill. So that's another huge blow to the Biden administration and the Biden agenda. And now let's make that worse. What you heard Chuck, uh, Chuck Don just say is that if he can somehow push that $3.5 trillion bill through, then he can take a couple of breaths and have a big victory there. Except for the fact that, A, they just killed part of that bill with the Senate parliamentarian, and B, this is a separate story. A top Democrat senator appears to be leaning towards stalling voting on Biden's big $3.5 trillion social spending bill. Not voting against it, he already said that. But now, Democrat Senator Joe Manchin is saying that Congress should take a strategic pause until 2022 to vote on that $3.5 trillion social spending package. This according to Axios. Manchin's new timeline, if he insists on it, would disrupt the plans of House Speaker Nancy Pelosi and Senate Majority Leader Chuck Schumer to vote on that budget reconciliation package this month. 
The report said that any delay from Manchin, who is not part of the far left wing of the Democrat Party, could, quote, imperil House passage of the separate $1.2 trillion bipartisan infrastructure bill, which Pelosi promised to pass by September 27th. Biden reportedly called Manchin, according to Axios, earlier this year and told him regarding the massive coronavirus stimulus bill, if you don't come along, you're really effing me. Did you catch that? Joe Biden, according to this report from Axios, called Senator Joe Manchin and said, you're really effing me. And you can figure out what the F stands for. It doesn't mean farming. All right? Biden does, I mean, Manchin doesn't even want to have this vote until next year. And you know what I say to that? You want to have the $3.5 trillion Green New Deal starter kit vote in the year of the midterm elections? Shortly before November of 2022? Please let it be so. Oh, my goodness. I couldn't go much better. It's 10 o'clock. We'll get news now. We'll come back on AM 1420. Three-star general Michael J. Flynn, head of the Pentagon Intelligence Agency, knew all the government's dirty secrets. He was one of the most respected generals in the military. Flynn knew what the intel world had been up to. He understood its funding. He ordered the first audit of the use of contractors. This set off alarm bells. The explosive new documentary, Flynn, deliver the truth, whatever the cost, and covers the facts behind this scandal. Flynn told the truth. He was the most dangerous person for Donald Trump to hire. I find out the worst enemy that I'm going to face in my life is right here here in America. They took my assessment and they wanted me to change it. I was like, I'm not changing it. They had to get rid of Flynn. With in-depth interviews, archival footage, and never before seen personal records of the man behind the headlines. I just felt like I was drowning. Flynn. Deliver the truth, whatever the cost. Available now. Watch it today. Go to salemnow.com. salemnow.com.